0: Good morning. Good morning. So we're in that week where people stop saying Merry Christmas and they start saying Happy New Year. Anybody had that happen yet? Yeah. Happy New Year. We had it happen a few times. I go, it's kind of early to say that, you know? I guess it's okay, but Happy New Year. So Christmas 2019, we can say it's in the rearview mirror. You know, all the presents have been opened. There are a number of people who open presents and are all thrilled about what they got. There's some people who opened presents and said, I hope for 2020 to be a lot better for Christmas because they didn't get what they wanted. And, and so the, we're all done with Christmas and we're still moving ahead. We're moving ahead. As I was thinking about gifts, you know, in our family we share gifts with each other like probably every family does. And, and as I think about gifts, I was just trying to think as we're getting ready to talk about the subject we're gonna talk about today, God's presence with us, is that I think we all look, at the present the gift of his presence and we go this is the best gift of all and I thought about what about us do do we give the gift of our presence to other people I mean this gift that says I'm going to be singularly focused on you at least for the next few minutes I'm going to be present with you I'm not going to let the the phone get in the way and be diverted and just I'm there physically but I'm not really there in any other way and and all that what about the gift of presence I thought how rich that is how valuable that is. And, you know, I was thinking about as a parent, I think this is what kids crave. If you're a parent here this morning, I think kids crave our presence as parents. And I want to think for just for a moment about the fact that we get to give that gift, that present to our kids. You know, my, my kids are all adults now, but I still remember some different things that unfolded about my presence in their lives and, and when they were younger, and quite frankly, it was a season of time where work was at times more important than family time, and so I regret some of those things. But when I was present at things like choral programs and halftime shows and soccer games and, 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 and school Christmas pageants, and I was there, I think it was a good thing. And I think it, for, the, for my children, it was something that said, you care about me. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being a part of my life. It was important to them that my presence was there. I also remember those evenings when I was at home that I really enjoyed, and not that it happened every evening, but I really enjoyed going into the girls' room. Now, if you know anything about my house, I have three girls in the middle of two boys on each end, and they all were in the same room together. And I love those times where I could come in as they're getting ready to go to bed and they're young and there they're, they're may be uh, toddlers and in the first grade and second, all those wonderful years and going in and spending just a couple of minutes with them as, before they go to sleep. And, and as they go to sleep, maybe the last thing they, say, they see is me and my presence with them. Now, we didn't have cell phones then, so I never got distracted by cell phones, all right? But that presence is so important You know, it is important. I believe our kids crave our presence. And those that we love and those that love us crave our presence. And I believe that we crave the presence of God with us. This has been the series we've been in all through the month of December. We've been talking about God with us. We talked about all the way to Matthew chapter 1 when God came with us, the promise of Jesus as a baby came. We've talked about some pretty important themes about God being with us in the storm, in the battle, in the darkness. And Today I get the privilege of talking about the, the reality is that God's with us forever, that he is always with us. We're going to take a few minutes, so we're going to look into uh, the words of Matthew, the very last words that he wrote and Jesus said to the disciples, according to Matthew, chapter 28. Turn your Bibles. Go ahead and get there to chapter 28. We're going to look at uh, verse 16. While you're turning there, though, I want to tell you that this morning, these next few minutes are going to be structured just a little differently than we normally do because I didn't have enough time to study well, well enough to give you 40 minutes. So I only have about 20. <laughs> nah, that's not true, but... We, want, we wanted to give you guys the opportunity to share. As we've been through these now five weeks of talking about God with us, I want to give you the opportunity to talk. Not just me talk, but talk to our church family. You notice we have a little platform right here. I actually have my microphone all ready to go for you to, for you to use, and, and we're all set and ready to go. And I'm not going to talk for very long. It may seem long to some of you, but it's not going to be very long And and I just want to have you think about this question. I want you to think back to 2019, this entire year. We've only got a few days left of this year. How has God been with you? How has God been with you this year? Maybe one of those times is is a happy, joyous time. Maybe it's a challenging time. Maybe it's a sad time. I don't know what it is. But I'm confident because God has been with us and he will continue to be with us always so as I talk for the next few minutes if you would think about that we're going to give a a few minutes for some of you to come up and share and just two or three minutes you can say a lot in two or three minutes okay you got to keep it rolling and that kind of thing but I want to encourage you to be thinking about that even as I go through these verses so let's do that let's go through these verses Matthew chapter 28 verse 16 here's what is Matthew wrote as his closing of his book Verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain, where Jesus has told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them, and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Let me just share a couple things about this passage today, because there's a lot going on in these short five verses some things that I just wanna leave with you as we continue to talk about this theme of God with us and specifically God with us always. And the first thing I see is that the 11 disciples, they, they, they go to Galilee, they go to, the, to a mountain and Jesus told them to go earlier. If you look back a little earlier in the book of Matthew, you will, the gospel of Matthew, you will see that he told them to go to this mountain. Most commentators believe that this happened somewhere about two weeks after the risen, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the first time that these 11 have been called the 11. They used to be called the 12. But this is the first time that Matthew refers to 11. And we all know why. If you know this story, if you're a believer here today, you're a disciple of Jesus, you probably know why. Because there was a follower of Jesus named Judas who chose to betray him. And it was, he was so filled with grief and sorrow that he hung himself. So he's not there anymore. So the 12 have become the 11. And they're going to go off to this area near Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. Some hill, there's a lot of hills surrounding that area. And by the way, he's probably going to go to the area they spent most of their time with Jesus at. And we're not exactly sure where this is at. And that's not really that important. But it was a spot known to the disciples. It was a spot they knew about in those Hills. And look what happens next. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. (laughs) Not the first time the eleven had seen the risen Jesus. Now, this is the first time in Matthew's account, gospel account, but if you read the other gospel accounts and you look at them chronologically, the disciples had seen Jesus, the risen Jesus, probably two to three times before this meeting on the mountain. So when they see Jesus coming toward him, this risen Jesus, it's not the first time. And it says they worshipped him. Worship takes a lot of different forms, really. It can take singing, giving praise. It can take humbly yourselves down on your knees. It can even lay laying flat on the ground in honor and humility before the Lord. I'm not sure what expression they chose, but they worshipped him. <laughs> and I thought, is it possible that after all this time, that they haven't finally embraced Jesus as the true son of God? And so they worship him. You see, for the last three years, as they've been walking and living with Jesus, he's been leading them to try and understand this idea that he is the son of the living God. And I don't know how deeply they understood this truth, even though Peter, a few chapters back in Matthew, we're told he once declared that Jesus is the son of God when he asked, who do you say I am? (laughs) But when Jesus died on the cross, all their young beliefs... About him, the Messiah, the one who's going to free them from oppression and usher in a new kingdom and a new age, had vanished quickly. Their hopes for the future, as they saw it, had disappeared, and they went and hid themselves for fear of their own lives. They thought they might be killed themselves. But now that he has been raised, and they see him, possibly for the third time, they worship him. But then Matthew makes this kind of jarring statement for us when he tells us that some of them doubted. Who are the some of them? Probably some of the 11. Commentators disagree on this. They have all sorts of other uh, potential s- uh, situations that could have occurred, but I believe it was one of the, some of the 11 that doubted. <laughs> but why would they doubt? I mean, this is not the first time they've seen the risen Jesus, at least a couple other times. Thomas, we believe, has already had the opportunity. You know who Thomas was, right? He was the doubting guy. He was doubting Thomas. And and he had had the opportunity, according to the timeline, to already be with Jesus and to hold his hands and and to feel the scars and where the nail holes were in Jesus so that he wouldn't doubt anymore about who Jesus was, that he actually had risen from the dead. Why would they still doubt? (coughs) Well, this word that's translated doubt means hesitate. It's not a word that really says I don't have any belief. It's not one that suggests unbelief. For example, when Peter failed to walk on the water and exhibited only a little faith, Jesus asked him, why do you doubt? It wasn't that he doubted Jesus' power, but that he hesitated. He was uncertain for a moment. The disciples are still growing in their faith and their belief and their understanding, and they've not yet reached the fullness of their spiritual maturity at that point. So in this important time with Jesus, they hesitated. (laughs) they were certain, uncertain about what is next for them. I mean, why has Jesus called us to this mountain? What is next? So they worship him, and they felt uncertain. But before we may judge them too harshly, I mean, they saw the risen Jesus, and you may say to yourself, if I see the risen Jesus, I'm not gonna doubt. I would never doubt. I would never hesitate. I would never feel uncertain. Let's pause and think about our own spiritual journey. And the kind of times in our lives that cause us to question is God really there? Is He really with me? Does He really care? Why do I feel so alone? I mean, in Mark, we read the story of a man who came and he fell at the at the feet of Jesus. He he fell to his knees and he was weeping. It doesn't say he was crying. It said he was weeping, and he says, "I believe. Help me in my unbelief." And and probably for many of us, we can identify with that guy, that guy, because there, there there's times in our lives where, depending on what we're experiencing, we can go, "I believe. Help me when I am not having a, when I'm having a hard time believing. Help me in my unbelief." Maybe those moments are when God feels distant or you feel like he doesn't hear your prayers or you don't even feel like praying anymore because you're tired of saying the same prayer over and over again. I don't know what those situations are, but it's at those moments that as we live through them, as I have lived through them, that God seems to do his best spiritual growth in my life. Maybe that's true for you. And so, as Christians, we know that We are to trust God, and God will care for us and direct our lives, but there are times in our lives where we face something that just seems to overwhelm or overpower our faith, and this may have been what was going on with those guys. I don't know with the 11. I mean, they're still maybe processing everything that had happened. They they had this moment, just this moment. We don't know how long, this moment of hesitation or this moment of uncertainty, but notice something. Jesus doesn't comment on it. He doesn't say anything about it. He doesn't talk about the status of of what's going on right now in their hearts. Instead, he moves on. He continues on. He gives them a new job to do. That's why they've called me together with, that's why they've called 11 together with Jesus. i got a new mission, a mission that quite frankly is still in force for us today. Those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, who would call ourselves followers of Jesus, who have received him, embraced him as the son of God, who would also be called disciples of Jesus... This is for us as well. These guys, these 11, will be given this job. After all, they're the ones who have seen Jesus alive and who have walked with him. They saw him dead and now they see the risen Jesus alive. They are the ones who can tell the story of Jesus like no one else. Why? They are eyewitnesses to all of this. They don't tell it out of theory. They tell it out of their experience. And Jesus is about to pass the baton from him to them with a new mission before he ascends to the Father. And he says, his first words are in verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Whoa, (laughs) that's an extremely bold, isn't it? All-encompassing statement, all authority? Not just half? Don't you share that with God the Father? No, all authority, not just in heaven, but on, in the earth as well. This is all in the hands of Jesus, all authority. I mean, Jesus can make this claim because he is fully God. And the whole universe is embraced in this authority that's been given to him. Way beyond our realm of seeing and knowing. All authority has been given to Jesus. Being fully God has given him the right to, to give his followers these marching orders, if you will. And also, not only just to give them to him, but the ability to help them carry out their mission. Authority here means the right to use power. He gave them the right to use power. And the entire gospel stresses about how Jesus had this authority. It talks about the authority of his teaching. And it talk, Matthew talked about exercising authority in healing. It ta- he talked about the authority over Satan and all the demons. And, and he makes it clear that he has all authority. And because he has all authority, nothing is outside his control his sovereign control, and the major message here is that Jesus, the one raised from the dead, has the authority of God the Father himself. They have this authority, and the authority continues today, and that means something for us when we consider God with us always. Here we are in the 21st century, a lot of years removed from when they lived. It still is in force because it's still working for us. And as followers of Jesus, here's what it means to us. It means we can have confidence when we follow him. When we say yes to the crazy things or the things that scare us that he wants us to obey, we can have confidence. We can obey him without fear. No matter where he leads us, we can have confidence and know that he is in control. (laughs) No matter the circumstance we face, he and his power are with us. So he says this, I have all of this. He says, therefore, go. Therefore, go. Go and do what? Go and make disciples of all nations. And so based on that authority, he tells the disciples to go and make more disciples, more followers of Jesus. This is actually a new commission, a new mission for the 11. And actually it's for any follower of Jesus as well. Making disciples, you see, means helping them come to that initial decision, that initial conversion, we call it, of saying, yes, I embrace, I believe, I receive Jesus as being the son of God who is forgiver of my sins the one who gives me eternal hope, but it doesn't stop there. It also includes instructing new believers in how to follow Jesus, how to submit to the lordship of Jesus. That's kind of a Christian word, lordship. Lordship just simply means he's in control of my life. I'm not. <laughs> and how to take up this calling, this mission of not making it not about me, but about serving others. I mean, that's what Jesus was about. See, a disciple enters A lifelong relationship of learner to master. We are the learners. Jesus is the master. Then he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus makes baptism an essential piece of this discipleship. See, baptism symbolizes the spiritual death as we go under the water and the newness of spiritual life as we come up out of the water. And in this act of baptism, this new disciple, and for all of us who've been baptized with Jesus, it says we're, we're now with him. We're with him, and we make this public declaration that we're with him, and we join the community of others who are with him as well. And then at 20, he says, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. This teaching is based on the words of Jesus. Everything he, Jesus, has commanded, it's based on his own teaching. And it's teaching not just for information's sake, but it's to be obeyed. Oh. For years, I remember as a parent, I wanted my kids to obey me. How about you as a parent? because what you're asking them to do is good, I hope. Good for them, good for you, good for training, good for helping them grow up. That's the same thing with, we're to obey. That's what, the, that's what the verse says. Teaching them what? To obey. As adults, we don't always think about, well, I still have to obey, but we have to obey. What do we obey? Those things that Jesus has commanded us. It's not just about getting some information in my head, having some head knowledge and say, there, I know the story, I can quote the story, I know the verse, I can even quote that verse. No, it's about living that verse, isn't it? It's about responding, about obeying, doing what Jesus has commanded. See, belief that's not lived out in every aspect of our life has to be questioned whether we really believe it or not because if we believed it, we would probably obey it and be called to the action that it asked of us. So he says disciples are to teach others and to obey. And then at the last verse, last part of this verse, he says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Finally, Jesus makes this spectacular promise. See, he wasn't just God with us when he was born as a baby. He wasn't just God with us when he grew and when he was on this earth. He is God with us always. It says to the very end of the age, the very end of the age is simply referring to the time Jesus comes back and ushers in a new earth and we live out the hope, the promise that we have of eternal life. And while Jesus is not with us physically, he's left us the Holy Spirit. That is God with us, the Holy Spirit today, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is present as his disciples go throughout all the nations with the gospel. He is inviting the disciples to accept that. Jesus is present as his new disciples are baptized and they're taught to obey everything that he has commanded. That is the ultimate assurance we have as, for the disciples that God is always with us. God's with me when I wake up in the morning. In fact, he's with me when I'm sleeping. God is with me when I arrive at the office. In every circumstance I face, God is with me. In every crisis that I face, God is with me. Even when I share my faith and I'm trembling or or I'm not very articulate in what I say, God is with me through the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. God is with me every time I participate like I'm gonna do tomorrow morning as I meet with another person in this discipleship project. He will be with us as we open up the scriptures and we talk and share our lives with one another for the purpose of obeying God is with me when I'm confused. When I may be living in emotional pain or, God forbid, physical pain. I hate that. Don't you hate physical pain? No, you don't? You're good with physical pain? I'm not. When I'm afraid, when I'm tempted, God is with me. When I'm discouraged and when I'm lonely, God is with me. And here's the other one. When I'm happy in life, God is with me. No person or circumstance can ever remove God's presence from our lives. He is here. He's here with us right now. One of the prayers I pray when we gather in the morning as pastors at about 6.30 to pray for this day, my prayer is about May God bring people with an open heart and an open mind, ready to say yes to whatever the Holy Spirit leads them and causes them to say yes to. Because I believe no matter what message is brought up here, however powerful and strong or however it it is presented, that God is speaking, because He's using His scripture to, to speak to our hearts. I'm asking Him, How will I obey? How will you obey? What a powerful motivation for us to know that God is with us, to know Him, to love Him, to trust Him, to worship Him, and yes, to obey Him, and lastly, to enjoy His presence in our lives.